midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand, and I have with us today uh, the same people we speak to every week. Logan Stump. How's it going? And Matt Hartgrove. Hey there. No surprises uh, this week on you know who's joining the show. It's usually just us three anyway. Uh, let me just say... Our viewership, or listenership, actually, uh, pretty good for our episode on Tuesday. Um, I was worried about with with a little bit of the, uh, uh, you know, recording it on on another program and all that kind of stuff, but it turned out pretty well. Um, Big listenership on that one. So we're going to jump into, we got a big show uh, here today as we break down week three of the um uh, of the english premier league uh so just some brief transfer news the mendy goalkeeper uh deal for chelsea that was official i don't think it was last time we recorded i think it happened right after they i think it was just talks before um and then uh this just happened ruben diaz uh for uh, manchester city i'm not sure if city have officially said it but i believe that they're sending Odamenti. is that correct yeah, Benfica sent out a Benfica sent out a press release that said Oda Mendy was coming, and then they sent out Ruben Diaz um, confirmation. But City's kind of like I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what's going on. Which Interesting is for their defenders. That's normal for their defenders, <laughs> so he'll fit in. <laughs> we'll we'll definitely get to Manchester City and their defense. Um, I already made the the uh, little thumbnail for today's episode and it's a it's a picture of pep upset and jamie vardy uh (laughs) happy so we will get to that game but first we as always we go in order of the games as they were played so that started off with saturday september 26th brighton versus manchester united that game finished two to three brighton two manchester united three uh that was at 7 30 a.m on that saturday um 40 minutes in, Malpay gets a penalty kick uh, for Brighton. Then it's 43 minutes in, uh, Dunk with an own goal. It was originally uh, attributed to Maguire. 55 minutes in, Rashford uh, gets a goal for United, uh, which was a really great finish, I thought. I I was actually chuckling to myself as I was watching the highlights today. Uh, He just kept kind of... You know, dribbling around the penalty area, just making uh, the Brighton defense look uh, pretty bad there. Uh, we get an equalizer 90 plus five minutes in for March, and that goes uh, for Brighton to make it 2 2. 
90 plus 11 minutes. Bruno Fernandez kicks the penalty. We'll talk a little bit about that penalty to give United the lead 3-2. So here's some talking points. Uh, VAR was used in this game three times from what I saw. Uh, a penalty kick that was attributed to Brighton was overturned. Uh, they said that you know Pogba had taken down a Brighton player. That was overturned. Correct decision there for me. Um, uh, VAR uh, also overturned a Rashford goal for offside. That was the right decision as well. Both of those happened when the score, I think, was 1-1 one to one still. And then at the end, we get the VAR handball. So I have a great breakdown thread from ESPN. Dale Johnson went on a huge thread on Twitter about this and about the rule. Uh, but before we get to the facts, let's just get to opinions on this because, Matt, I know you uh, you hate United. You hate them getting penalty calls. <laughs> uh, well, they got another one, and Bruno Fernandez does not miss uh, like Jorginho does. So tell us uh, your thoughts on this penalty and this handball situation. Um, I actually, first, I actually think I read the same thread uh, that you're talking about, but I mean, it, it was a penalty. It was as much as you don't want to see it for a United player, but um, Malpe was just an idiot. I'm sorry. He, that was no reason to put his arm up. Zero. And, you know, it, it was the correct call as, as much as I prefer it not to be. But, you know, I, I understand where some people had some frustration because it was after the, the kick or after the final whistle. But the ref got it right. And I mean, if you're Brighton, you're just kicking yourself because you did all that work to, to get the draw after you probably should have had the, the lead. And then you decide to mess it up with one bad, bad mistake. Um, and they paid for it. But, you know, it, it was a good call. And I think we have a lot to talk about with VAR and Campbell, though, for the rest of the week as well. Yes, we do. Uh, Logan, just your thoughts on the handball before we get into this uh, Twitter thread I have here. I, I, I think with VAR, I think, you know, as far as um, as far as it's, you know, used, uh, I think it's ruined, um, you know, just the aspect, the human aspect of it. Like, I get I get the argument and I get the understanding that, you know, it, it's used for um those reasons to figure out if it was a handball and trying to see that with the eye um just up front is really difficult and i think that when you when you use it like it's supposed to be used uh, i think it can be efficient but i think using it every time that a ball looks as if it hits a defender's arm um there needs to be some kind of guideline in that rule or in that law that makes it to where if 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 the play isn't going to progress and if it wasn't going to affect the outcome of the goal, um, I, I think that it's really hard to use uh, the explanation that well, I mean, it was a handball. Um, it, it's just extremely tough because it's going to ruin so many games, and I know a lot of the managers have had issues with it, um, and I think it just builds on from here because it was a really common theme. Uh, throughout the weekend, but I, I don't agree with it. I don't like the fact that the game was over and they call it. Um, I, I just really hate that it had to end this way because I think Sheffield played really well. 
um, and to end like this. Brighton, you mean? Yeah, or sorry, <laughs> not Sheffield. Brighton. Um, Brighton, and you know, Brighton's played so well up to this point, and to have this kind of stumble um, can kind of hurt a team. I mean, this could send you down a, a longer path of losing, or you know, it's tough because they, they had come out and played so well. Uh, I take the exact opposite approach on this, uh, so we'll get to this thread here, but I, I think VAR was used perfectly in all three of these instances in this match today, and that for me, this is the way VAR should be used. So let's get into it here. Dale Johnson, like I said, of ESPN, uh, he tweets, we, are, we all in our own minds understandably consider a natural arm position to have direct correlation to how a player may be moving, jumping, etc., However, the handball law, as altered by IFAB boss David Ellerey, does not take this into account whatsoever. So here's part of the problem. The handball rule itself by IFAB, who are the ones that make the rules of the game, is, is really the issue here. And VAR and FIFA and EPL and every single league is actually implementing this correctly by the letter of the law. And I think that's what might have to be changed at some point. So let's go into it even more. It's all about the silhouette, the area of the body, uh, Johnson continues. If the arms are not within the silhouette, no matter what movement you are making, they considered that to be making the body unnaturally bigger. Your natural shape does not have your arms away from the body. So even though you're running, even though you're jumping, and your arms are not by your side, they still consider that unnaturally bigger uh, from the handball rules uh lra said if arms are extended beyond the silhouette then the body is being made unnaturally bigger with the purpose of it being a bigger barrier to the opponent or the ball players should be allowed to have their arms by their side because it's a natural silhouette so Johnson continues, let's be absolutely clear on this. There is zero relevance to a deliberate deliberate act in this offense, no matter what you may read elsewhere. Meaning, when a lot of commentators say there was no intention, intention does not mean that it's not a handball if you do not intend it. Uh, the, uh, the red section of this uh, is the most important part of the handball law and is absolutely the first point of a call when making the decision. And he had an article highlight it, and it says, touches the ball with their hand and arm when the hand and arm has been made their body unnaturally bigger, or the hand and arm is above or beyond their shoulder level unless the player deliberately plays the ball, which would then touch their hand and arm. So he says again now, here's Dale Johnson again, of course, deliberate handball remains an offense, and it appears in the written law. But this part about the hand being over your shoulder and away from your body does not factor in deliberate handballs. Um, let's see here. UEFA ref's chief Roberto Rossetti said, when the arm is totally out of the body above the shoulder, it should be penalized. This is an absolute cornerstone, says Dale Johnson, and the reason why the Eric Dyer handball decision was always going to be given. We'll get to that one when we get to Spurs. Uh, the best way to think of this, Dale says, is would the ball have continued on its path if it hadn't hit the player's arm? If yes, it is likely going to be a handball. If no, and the ball would have always have hit the body, 
and that means that the body is not unnaturally bigger. So what they're saying is if you had your hands down in front of your knees, let's say, uh, and it still hits your hand, it was always going to hit your hand. It was always going to hit your body because it would hit your knee if your hand wasn't there. So that's not a handball. But if my hand is above my shoulder and it's above my head, uh, or it's all the way out, stretched out like I'm, you know, uh, Leo in Titanic, then it's going to, uh, it would not have hit any of my body if my hands were not outstretched. Uh, now, about the part about the game being over, Dale Johnson also touched on that. This is perfectly within protocol and was a stonewall penalty. It would be crazy for a missed penalty offense to happen just before the ref blew the whistle and it not be reviewable. Uh, and it, they have a whole section here in the VAR rules. What happens if VAR identifies a clear mistake in a match-changing incident after the referee has blown for the whistle for halftime or full-time, then uh, it can overrule the whistle and the ref can then start saying to the players, don't leave yet, we're actually checking something. So uh, that is in the rules. I know there was a lot of questions about that on Saturday and a lot of people asking about that. So uh, I know United get a lot of calls, but in this case, I feel like this worked as perfectly as it can. And if it was my team, uh, even if, like, I mean, literally he blew the whistle as soon as the ball was cleared, uh, which was always going to happen because there was only five minutes of stoppage time. And uh, they were six minutes and 30 seconds. People would be like, well, why are they six minutes and 30 seconds in? Well, you have to add another minute on for the goal that Brighton scored. And Brighton scored 95 and a half or somewhere around there by the time they got the ball back to the center and kicked it off. So that was actually pretty much in the rules there as well. Uh, so any thoughts on this thread before we move on to our next game? Because we're probably going to talk about this rule a lot. Uh, Matt, was this the thread you read? And uh, we good to move on to the next game? Yeah, that, that was, um, and I, I agree with everything that you've said, Jordan, and everything that is in the thread. It's, I mean, it, it's going to be an interesting year because, uh, as you mentioned, when we come up to the, the few other games where this has been a situation, it does seem like there'll be more handballs due to this rule, but it's the correct rule. So we'll, we'll have to just see how it plays out throughout the year. Logan, uh, any last thoughts on this rule before we... Well, it's not really last thoughts. Last thoughts in perspective to the Manchester United implementation of this rule because we're going to talk about it again with Spurs and probably a few other games here. Yeah, but going going through that that that, that, that thread, um, I, I really... I think that, uh, you know, the United one, if you look at the photos that he posted, I think... He, I actually now think that... I mean, looking through it, I think that that one's as clear as the others are. Um, and there's one coming up that is not as clear as I think, which is one that was called. But, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I agree I with I, I like the way that he laid this out because, you know, I mean, if they're told that this is the way that they are officiating, then this is the way they're officiating. And then, you know, it's going to take a year or two for the defenders to adjust to, to keep those hands tight inside their bodies. So. Yeah, and one thing I don't ever really understand about this is since I've started watching soccer and I've watched with my dad and everything, you know, 
he's always talked about defenders having to put their hands behind their back. And this thread made it sound like that's kind of a newer thing or that you'll see a lot of defenders doing that. And I just always thought that's what defenders should do. So it doesn't accidentally hit their arm anyway. Um, uh, but for Malpe, it was definitely one where it looked like he was, tr- I don't know if he was trying to do it. I don't, it, it just didn't look right. In, in that case, you go in with your shoulder or your head. You don't go in with your arm uh, if you're going to challenge uh, Maguire on that. So let's move on. We got Crystal Palace versus Everton. This game actually has an instance as well here that we'll talk about. Uh, it finished 2-1 to one, Everton. Uh, that was a 10 a.m. game. And let's just say, Logan, you got the scoreline absolutely right, 2-1 to one, on our predictions last week. Ten minutes in, Calvert-Lewin scores his fifth goal of the Premier League campaign for Everton. It makes it 1-0. Uh, 26 minutes in, Chuck Quixote scores for uh, Crystal Palace to make it 1-1. That was Matt's prediction. But then 40 minutes in, Richarlison gets his penalty uh, this is another handball rule, and actually, when we look at this one, I feel like this one could go either way. Uh, it, in the letter of the law, his hands are out a bit, but for me, he's he's kind of keeping his balance with the way he's crouched, and it's not that outstretched from his body. Uh, and for me, I wouldn't think I would call this one. Uh, but I guess, uh, you know, because uh, this one doesn't have much to do with the above shoulder part. His hands are down, like, kind of near his knees, but kind of outstretched a bit. Uh, but for me, it's uh, uh, it, it could really go either way. And in this way, they ruled it a penalty, and, and Everton win the game and win three games out of three, which is their first time doing that since the mid-'90s. Uh, Logan, is this the one that you were talking about as one that uh, was not as clear? Yeah, yeah, this is the one that if you if you look at it, I, I don't see where his uh, he's down in a defensive position. And it doesn't look like he's really trying to impede anything. He's just got his hands out like, oh, crap, um, kind of like I would be if somebody hit one right at me. Um, I, I don't this one. I don't agree with this one. I really did see a problem with if you're reading it like you've said um, through that thread, through that law. Um, this goes right to that point of it's inside his body. It's not anything that's going to look different to make his body bigger. I think it actually makes him smaller because his hands are within him. Um, you know, they kind of like he squat. I, it's <laughs> again, but then I, I really do like And the problem I had with the Brighton thing. I think you're going to see a real like and you see this in all the other sports and it's kind of annoying, but you're going to see the tic tac like the. I don't know, like, and they don't really have the rule that NFL does or NBA where it's kind of like, well, I mean, it's inconclusive. So I guess we get to, you know, I, it, it's really tough because soccer, I think it's going to be based on that one, you know, judge. And, and it, I, I just don't, it's going to get ugly. Uh, the manager's already mad. I, I just don't know where this is going to end up. Um, and I hope that we can get by it and they can change it to where it's, you know, a little bit better but right now um you're just gonna have this constant back and forth of like i don't know (laughs) it was it wasn't i don't know what his hands are doing is that natural is that not um it's just more annoying to think about matt um i know you said that you didn't think this one was a penalty when we were in our texts uh thread but uh everton 
Looking pretty good. They're your crosstown rivals. Are you worried a little bit at all here? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, no, I'm not. I, I'm not. It's they do look a lot better, and I, I think you might be looking at a top sixteen, uh, especially with how crazy some of the games have been recently. But you know, Palace were definitely the best team they've faced, and in all fairness, they they didn't look super you know outstanding they didn't look over the top um and in all honesty that they won because of the controversial handball and you know i think after reading the rule i think you know it is something that based on the rule had to be given but i think it's just really bad luck and honestly palace played really well i thought as he was watching him he he had so much open space and he was constantly looking like he was going to be a threat to score it was just that last it was that last ball they couldn't get. They couldn't get the last pass. They couldn't get a good – there was a couple of times where they just couldn't get a good enough shot off. And and I think, honestly, I think that was a game where if there had been fans, I actually think Palace win that one fairly easily. I do think fans – not having fans has definitely caused a lot of uh, games just to kind of almost be played at neutral sites. So you don't really see the home field advantage as much as you would, but – Palace played them well, and I, I think Everton, they'll have their games, and they're going to play pretty well this year, but you know, until they, it, I don't think they're going to do it against Liverpool. I think Liverpool will look too good. Um, I don't think they can beat City. I don't think they can beat Chelsea. Even with how some of the results went, they're just not up to par with the, the elite teams of the league, and even with some teams struggling this past week, they're still better. They're As a team, they're still better. And, you know, I just think this game kind of showed that Everton and Palace, I think, are a little bit more even where they're, you know, I think they could both be top 10 teams this year. Everton might be a little higher because they've got a few better players, but I think you saw two teams that were pretty similar to each other. All right, let's move on to uh, West Brom Chelsea. This game finished 3-3. This was the 12:30 game on Saturday, so I'm... Um, you know, uh, where was I? I? I think I'm in line for like mind train, and I just start getting these notifications for for three nothing. Uh, you know what? No, I think I was actually eating. Uh, I think I was actually yeah, I was. I I, I was uh, eating at Cosmic Rays, and uh, it made it three nothing. And then I was in line for Big Thunder when we uh, s- scored a few of these goals to equalize. Uh, Let's run it down. Four minutes in, Callum Robinson scores for West Brom uh, off of some sloppy defense. Uh, 25 minutes in, Callum Robinson scores uh, off some sloppy defense uh, by Thiago Silva making his Chelsea debut in the Premier League. 27 minutes in, Bartley scores uh, to make it 3-0 to West Brom. Then the comeback is on. 55 minutes in, Mason Mount scores. Uh, one uh, from well outside the box. 70 minutes in, Hudson Adoy gets on the board. And 90 plus three minutes in, Abraham scores. Tammy Abraham to give Chelsea the draw. And actually, Chelsea should have had some more time on the clock. You know, they did it perfectly for Manchester United, uh, as always. But for Chelsea here, stoppage time was five minutes. But the VAR check on the Abraham goal took about close to two minutes. Plus, there was a substitute, which should be adding 30 seconds. And a goal was scored 
which should add another minute, but they blew it at 95 and 25 seconds. So missing missing some time there or else maybe they could have got the uh, the go-ahead goal. Let's talk about this Chelsea defense a bit here. Through the course of last season, so this is last season's okay uh, stuff here, Chelsea conceded 54 goals, uh, which was the highest in the top half of the table. And they let in 79 across all competitions and was Chelsea's worst defensive record since the year I was born, 1990 to 1991 season. Frank Lampard's Chelsea and his Derby gave up the same number of goals uh, back when he coached Derby uh, two seasons ago, 54. Uh, remember, Chelsea had a top three defense when uh, Maurizio Sarri was in charge with a lot of these same players. Uh, for me, Frank has to get some of these defensive tactics worked out. He has to figure this out. Kepa did not even play in this match, and 30 minutes in, it's 3-0. It's not just Keppa, and that you know that's something that again needs to be hit on. Yes, that is why we spent money on defense. It's because it's not just Keppa. Uh, but Tiago Silva had a shocker. This is not something either that people you know if people say he has to work the system. He he had a bad touch on a ball that was passed to him, and it immediately gave it away. Uh, Chilwell not ready yet. Guess he's not fit still. Um. Or, you know, uh, I think he was supposed to play in the cup game. I'm not sure if he actually did uh, while I was down in Florida. Uh, but he did not play in the Premier League. Uh, Frank, you're the coach. you got to start coaching. We can't just be spending money on everything to fix problems. And I'll say this about Pep and City, too, when we get there. When does coaching come into this? Why do fans and managers just always moan about buying players? You are paid to fix these issues by coaching. We just had one of the best transfer windows, uh, widely considered to be one of the best transfer windows in the Premier League. What more could Chelsea ask for? More defenders? At a certain time, you have to coach the actual players that you already have. Let's look at City. Pep has spent £500 million on defenders in two years. I don't want to hear him moan about this either. And we'll get to that game and that situation. But while I'm on my soapbox, I feel like managers like Jose, like Pep, and Frank have to start actually managing. You cannot always spend money. Money cannot always solve this. You're a top coach in one of the best leagues in the world. Figure it out. Logan, your thoughts on Chelsea West Brom? Yeah, so I the, the you know I agree with you. I think um, with with all the problems they have in the back, it's not just the players they're bringing in because they're bringing in top, you know, top class players that, you know, you should be able to figure out how to defend in the premier league. And if you don't know how to defend, well, find out how to defend enough because just like your situation and it's frustrating with city. And I know we'll get to that. Um, but you did, I've never seen a team look so shocked. Like almost they thought, hey, we're a good defending team, and then went out there and they found out the opposite. It felt like that weird. Uh, and Frank's just sitting there with his arms crossed, sitting down going, what's going ha- You know, what's going on? Uh, and maybe he doesn't know how to defend because he was a midfielder. I have no idea. Like, I don't know 
where that lack of defense comes from. Because like you said, Jordan, they've always been known for the defense. So it was like, where where do you draw a line? Where do you stop spending so much money on defenders and just figure out how to work the defenders that you have? Because obviously Liverpool's done it. <laughs> so if they've done it and they don't spend nearly as much as we do, uh, how can they figure it out? And well, you know how they figure it out? It's because they have the best manager in all of Europe. So like, if you can't figure it out, then you need to move on because Chelsea and City, the way they're playing defense, Liverpool's liable to win this thing. And maybe Everton challenges and Leicester now. Who knows? Because I think right now, if you look at both Chelsea and Man City, they're going to be struggling big time. Uh, this isn't this isn't something that's like, oh, we'll just keep slapping Band-Aids on it. We're to a point of this season being so crammed together with fixtures. I don't see where it's going to be a quick turnaround, and that's going to be really bad because you've got so many games within a span. I will say West Brom did play pretty well, but you can't ever tell when a defense looks like Chelsea did where it just looks and you know tied up in knots and not understanding and communicating, you know, who's got who and where, you know, Tiago Silva comes in and makes a huge blunder um, that somebody, and I laughed at the thing because they said, well, Tiago's now got to realize that he, or Silva's got to realize he's come into the Premier League where they actually have players that can play all 11 of them. <laughs> so it, it's, it's just funny to read stuff like that, but it's true. I mean, West Brom comes out, they go gunning, and Chelsea's really lucky that they have the attack that they do because if they didn't have the attack they did, uh, this one was, I think, headed more for like four or five um, rather than the three to three. But because of the attack, it put pressure on West Brom. Yeah, I saw that uh, that same thing as well. And as they pointed out, though, I mean, this is Thiago Silva who just had a really good Champions League final against Bayern Munich yeah. and had a really, you know, so it's it, it, it. I don't know if it's just lack of fitness still that he wasn't uh, exactly prepared and, it you know, a bad touch, but uh, who, who knows? And, uh, for people listening, I'm not advocating for Frank getting fired or anything. I do think if this continues, uh, you know, even though he's a club legend, it doesn't mean squat when it comes to, uh, you know, Roman, uh, uh, trigger fingers. Uh, so, uh, this needs to get sorted out. Look, uh, you know, when we look at, you know, people saying the same thing, it happened at Derby, it's happening here. Uh, after we had a top three defense and and now uh, you know again this year we're just leaking goals this is a team West Brom that just gained promotion <laughs> and they were leading three nothing uh, so while fans are happy that we're able to pull out a point and I'm happy that Chelsea were able to pull out a point uh, we shouldn't have been in that position to have to only get a point this should be a win I know there's no easy Premier League games but uh, you know, and, and, and people say that, but really, it, just let's wait until we get to today's games. <laughs> but really, if you want to talk about an easy game in the Premier League, it's probably Fulham right now. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll see uh, We'll see how uh, Chelsea do against Fulham, I guess. That'll be the real test. Um, Matt, your thoughts on this West Brom and Chelsea matchup? I, I, I mean, I agree a lot with what you guys said. I mean, it just kind of showed that Chelsea there needs to go in more into that team than spending. Um, and, and I actually was, I actually was kind of thinking about, I, I didn't see the Tiago thing, but I was kind of intrigued about, you know, Tiago was kind of based as the savior of the defense in a way. And I was like, well, he's never played in the premier league. And 
think even the worst Premier League teams are are steps ahead better than the worst players and uh, the worst teams in those other leagues. I mean, I don't think any team in the Premier League. I think Fulham would probably do like almost be a mid-table team in some of the other leagues out in Europe, based off of how those those teams play. But you know, they there needs to be something to do. Lampard needs to figure out something with his defense because you know it. It wasn't even impressive play in in the most part on a few of those goals by West Brom. It was just mistakes. But you just look at those players and they're just they're out of position. They there's so much open space in front of that defense. And and honestly, I think Liverpool would have scored more goals against them last week had they kind of you know kept the foot on the uh, the gas pedal. But it it's a little worrying. I still think Chelsea are the third best team in the league. Um, you know, they, they have too much talent up front. And I think you, you need to really see what the team is when everybody's in there. I, I'm intrigued to see what it looks like when Chilwell starts, Mendy starts, and they figure out who is going to play at the, at the top. Because, uh, you know, you got, you're going to have Pulisic, you got to have Werner, you're going to have Havers behind them, you're going to have Zayat probably out on the right. Um, you know, it's, there's too much talent in that team not to, to really challenge still for top two, top three, in my opinion. And I, I just I want to see what they look like with the players they all signed. I want to see a game with all of them playing just to see what what they really have with Lampard. And you know what? If, if it continues on through this year and he still can't get defenders to defend and you just see another year where they're the top team and they have the top goals, against in the top 10 again then I, I think you have to really start questioning his his ability as a coach and he could easily be on the hot seat next year if, if that continues yeah I mean I can see what you mean about the if all players are healthy type of thing but um, there's a lot of good names on that team like I, I do want to see what they look like playing all together because there's some teams where I think they're going to roll over them with the attacking talent they have. I don't think, you know, Liverpool have probably, I think Liverpool are the best front three, but in terms of just firepower, you know, Chelsea have a good five or six guys up there that could score goals at will if they really are playing to their best level. And I, I just, I want to see what it's like. Cause I, I do think you miss Pulisic a lot. Cause I think he, you know, Werner's got the name, Havertz has got the name, but Pulisic, when he's playing, he just looks like he's on a different level than some of these other guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's part of the problem. I think. I think Pulisic is, is, kind of what's missing. He, you know, uh, uh, unfortunately. But I, I, I get your point. But I, my whole thing is, no team usually goes a season without uh, some key injuries. So, while it would be nice to see what we all have without the injuries, uh, it's kind of the hand we're dealt, and we we're deep enough that we should be able to beat West Brom even with all these injuries in both the defense and the attack. Uh, I think, uh, you know, one worrying thing is Werner not scoring yet. Not that I'm, I'm not too worried about that, but when you think about how long it took Fernando Torres to get on the mark and stuff and how people jumped on him, uh, I would like him to just, you know, without it waiting a while. So if there's a penalty, I would want him to step up. Don't let Giorgino take it. Uh, I know he only missed one, but 
uh, get somebody on the mark, you know, get him his, his, you know, goal scoring account at Chelsea up and running, you know, to make him feel a little better at hitting the back of the net. Um, Werner's going to create lots of chances. He's not going to convert a high amount of those chances, but, uh, you know, according to some of the stats, uh, that somebody had said uh, this week. I, ca- I can't locate it now, though, but they were saying that he is one of the lowest on shot conversion or chances conversion to goals uh, when he was at uh, uh, Leipzig, but that since they have so many chances, he had so many goals. Um, Chelsea will still create a lot of chances, hopefully, uh, though in that Liverpool match they did not. Um Let's talk about Burnley and Southampton briefly. There's not much to talk about. Five minutes. Uh, that was a 3 p.m. Uh, 3 p.m. game. Southampton won 1-0. Five minutes in, Danny Ng scores for Southampton. Uh, I couldn't even find... A, I mean, like, when I was using the FopMab app to watch highlights, that one was only a three-minute video, while all the other ones were, like, 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I did not see much of that other than the Danny Ng goal. Any thoughts on that before we move on to the Sunday games? Yeah, I think Burnley's going to have a hard time. Uh, I, I watched the whole game, um, and I texted you guys. I said this was the most boring game I've ever watched. Um, it was just yeah, Burnley just doesn't have much as far as the attack. I don't know where they're going to find it from. Chris Wood's good, um, and, and he's he's played pretty well. Um, he, he looks to be the most threatening, but after that, you you dip off real quick. Um, Nick Pope, yeah, he's good, but you know how can he really build off of what he did last year? Um, and then Southampton, Danny Ings, just, he just scores at will, it seems. Matt, any thoughts on former Liverpool legend Danny Ings before we move on? <laughs> I like watching him score. I always root for the guy. He just he was never going to make it with Liverpool because he wouldn't play as much. But, you know, I root for him. I, I don't mind Southampton, but, yeah, I don't have much else for the game. All right, let's let's move on to uh, the uh, other. Uh, well, actually, Sheffield and Leeds first. That was the Sunday, September twenty seventh, seven thirty a.m. game. Leeds score in the eighty eighth minute with Patrick Bamford to win one nil. Leeds continue their hot streak. Uh, I guess you could say uh, this time they actually shut out a team. They only score one goal though. And uh, gets them to three points, and they're up to seventh place in the Premier League. Any thoughts on this game, Logan? Yeah, so I know questions were coming in um, to all sorts of people that are Leeds followers, and they were saying, um, can Patrick Bamford do it at a rate um, that is, you know, Premier League worthy? Um, And, I I mean, so far it looks like he's going to be uh, a really good uh, guy up front for, for a Premier League side. I, I do have some major issues with their defense. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, they do they play well here, but Sheffield Sheffield's really struggled to get off um, to a good start this year, so it's tough to tell there. But I, I really am still concerned, even the minor breakdowns that they had on defense. I, I do think that they do struggle back there uh, and, and Bielsa does seem to have uh, more of an attack mind with leads because of all the firepower they have up front can he shore it up in the back and you know what's that going to look like once they do um Meslier played really well uh, he was pro- I think he was 
uh, deservant of the man of the match because he was that good. Uh, they had so many shots at him that he was able to save. Uh, he made one save that was fantastic uh, and, and really saved the game because I think that they really do have a major problem in defense, which seems to be the common theme over the last couple of matches we've talked about. Matt, any thoughts on Leeds United or Sheffield, who are, uh, as we'll get to, currently in the uh, relegation zone after having a great season last year? Uh, Yeah, I I think there's a little bit to worry about uh, for Sheffield United. They, They just don't look like they have any threat for the most part. When it, in terms of, of scoring, I actually don't believe they've scored. This no, they don't have any yet. goals. Actually, yeah, they don't have any goals. And, and they just—they—they they look like they're. I, I honestly think it's going to be a tough, a fairly tough year for them, especially with how much firepower is going into these teams. I mean, with all the goals being scored, to to have zero is is something to worry about. And I, I think they need to bring in somebody up top. I know they've they've talked about Rian Brewster who. You know, he hasn't started in the Premier League, but he is a natural goal goal scorer to what you would define a natural goal scorer. And I think it would give them something up top. Um, but they just don't look like... Uh, last year, it felt like they did it a lot through solid defense and really good goalkeeping. And, you know, when you take away that really good goalkeeping for average goalkeeping, you know, it, it's it's a little worrying. And I think... Really do think that they're going to struggle to to. I wouldn't. I don't think they're going to struggle to stay up in the Premier League, but I do think you're going to see them in that bottom fourteen to sixteen range, really, uh, for the majority of the season once they really start to get going. Let's get to the other draw of the weekend. Uh, it was the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, oh, I, sorry, wrong football. Uh, we have <laughs> Tottenham one, Newcastle one. That's nine a.m. match on Sunday. Um, none of us got this right. Uh, Logan, you had Spurs one nil. Matt, you had Spurs three one, and I had Spurs three one as well. Lucas Mora scores twenty five minutes in for Spurs. Ninety plus seven minutes. Wilson for Newcastle scores due to a handball call that. Um, Again, we broke down the rules. This is another one I think that's pretty clear in the sense of arm over the head. The only issue I'd have with this is how close the player is to the ball that maybe you could say ball to hand. But, uh, you know, if that's what's going to be called because his hand is uh, extraordinarily over his head, then that's going to be called. Uh, I know we've talked about Tottenham struggling a bit. Uh, you know, they did just win 5-2 the previous week, but uh, they were not able to beat uh, Everton. Uh, they now draw to Newcastle. Is Jose going to be on the hot seat by the time we reach the Christmas holiday, Logan? I think if things continue the way that they are, uh, I think that it's a very... Uh, high probability that he's no longer the coach for Spurs. I think that when you look at their team, besides Kane uh, and Son, who actually got hurt, and I think that it looked more serious than uh, just the typical take him off and he'll be ready for the next match. 
Um, I think that he really does look bad too when when Everton's adding things and Chelsea's pretty much revamped their whole attack. And then you've got, you know, Liverpool's already probably the best team in Europe. And then uh, with City, maybe has an attack. I don't even know. Um, I think you do start to worry if you're a Tottenham fan because I think that you look at your team and go, well, what have we really added? Nothing. Uh, Gareth Bale, but who knows if he's even going to be a shell of himself, uh, which will be interesting to watch because I think they're going to try to get him fit quickly. Uh, But again, if he plays, is he good? Is that much of a difference? If not, I see this team really struggling to fight for Europe uh, because I do think that there are teams that got a lot better. I think Everton uh, finishes above them. I think, you know, if uh, Leicester City keeps playing the way that they do, I think they've got a shot to, to go above Spurs. So, yeah, I think he's in trouble. I think that there's – and with all these games coming up and they're tight, he doesn't really have the luxury of depth and whatever's going on with Deli Alley. I don't know. Uh, it seems like he's a pain in the ass in the locker room. So, you know, I, I think there's some turmoil uh, building up in, in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, yeah, I think um, before we go on to um, Matt here and his thoughts, um, what I was going to say about uh, Tottenham was, uh, what was I going to say about Tottenham? Tottenham? I have no idea now. Matt, any, any thoughts on, oh, you know what I was going to say? I was going to say that uh, Gareth Bale, I do think will actually, uh, I think he will play uh, and I do think he will be his old self. Uh, the reason I think that I, I did see his reaction to the Lucas Mora uh, goal, that's more than I've ever seen him react to anything at Real, Real Madrid on the bench. <laughs> did you <laughs> so see I, the photo? I, <laughs> did you guys see the photo going around on Twitter when he has the mask over his face? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That might be the best photo I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so yeah, I think I think he does love this club actually, and I, so I think he will be glad to be back. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on this one-one uh, draw for Tottenham? You know, it. I think it definitely. Um, uh, it the game itself. I, I think as a Tottenham play, uh, Tottenham fan, Tottenham player, I think they should be a little disappointed with it. Uh, you know, it it is awful to see these incredibly controversial calls happening at the very end of games because I think that makes them more obviously that's going to make them more widespreadly known through social media and through the news with or through the sports you know outlets that it becomes a bigger deal when it involves the decision of the game and it's the very end so you're not going to have really a chance afterwards but, but Tottenham I mean I, I, I agree with you on the fact that I, I think they really I think that team enjoys Jose, and I think he enjoys being at Tottenham to an extent where I don't think he'll be on the hot seat unless something goes completely wrong this year. You know, they're going to have these results because they their defense is very, very average. Their midfield doesn't have a lot in it since they got rid of Erickson, you know, and, and it sounds like Son might be hurt, and he's probably their best player. Now, I, don't, I actually think he's better than Harry Kane, but Unless something goes completely awry, I don't think Jose's in much danger unless he decides to leave himself. But he does seem to to enjoy what he can do with Tottenham, and hopefully he can 
get them playing pretty well here and we can see them hopefully in the top six conversation and, and see what he can do with them. Cause you know, after actually, actually watching the, the Tottenham documentary on Amazon prime, like I think I just didn't like Jose Mourinho on Chelsea. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but like he, he doesn't seem like he's as, I don't know. It, he, when he was on Chelsea, I was a little bit frustrated with him. And I'd be like, I hate that you're so good, but kind of seeing him have to coach up a team and really try to to do more than just buy players, it kind of makes you watch him as a coach. And he's he's a pretty decent coach. I mean, obviously he's one of the best coaches in the, the history, but like right now for soccer these days, it's a little bit different of a game. But, you know, he seems to be adapting to it. And I, I would like to see see him succeed just a little bit more with Tottenham here. All right, moving on to the match of the weekend, actually. Uh, Manchester City uh, and Leicester City. <laughs> oh, man, I was enjoying these highlights. Uh, oh, Leicester funny. wins 5-2. to two. Uh, This was 11.30 on Sunday. Uh, Mares scores four minutes in for, for Manchester City. And actually, when I typed this up, I wrote Leicester because he used to play for them, and I'm still not used to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Vardy scores 37 minutes in on a penalty for Leicester to make it 1-1. Vardy scores 54th minute in to make it 2-1. Uh, 58 minutes in, Vardy gets his hat trick on another penalty. 77 minutes in, James Madison. What a shot. What a goal. That's my goal of the match there. 84th minute in, uh, Nathan Ake scores for City to make it 3-2, uh, uh, 4-2. And then another penalty for Leicester and Telemans. Uh, puts that one away 88 minutes in to finish 5-2. to two. Logan, walk us through your feelings, uh, and you may have the floor. <laughs> <sighs> Match of the week, my ass. Um, so uh, it starts out, and I'm as happy as a clam. I am thrilled. Riyad Mahrez is finally getting his shot because he, I don't think there's anybody better than him right now on the attack. I think he's better than Sterling. Uh, I think that he's obviously better than Aguero right now because Aguero's limping around in a, a cast or something. Um, but I did. He, he hit a shot off of all that was just unbelievable. Um, one of those shots that you, you hit in FIFA and go, oh my gosh, did I really just do that? Uh, so I'm elated, right? And then the whole Vardy crap starts. And I'm like, oh, good Lord. Because he has been unbelievable against City. Nine goals in ten matches uh, for Vardy. He, uh, and he, when I'm watching him play, he looks like the most unassuming player until he starts running around. He just looks like he's out there having a funny looks. He actually looks like one of those boy band guys that comes out on the field for some reason and they gave him a kit. Um, but he's out there and he's so quick. I mean, for being an older guy... He is so fast, uh, and then it doesn't help that City's in shambles in the back. But again, I started out elated, but then the real problems that City has really start to glare here. Um, their defense is atrocious. Uh, they don't deserve to be one of the top teams in, in all of Europe because playing like that defensively, hell, Newcastle's going to score 20. Uh, I just, you know, Sheffield would even score. Um, I, I don't know. 
I don't know, like you said, Jordan, I don't know why Pep thinks that the Band-Aid to fix the defense problem is to just keep buying these random defenders that no, like, have you heard of Ruben Diaz? Not many have, unless you're from Portugal. <laughs> like, uh, you know, you're buying players in hopes that they're going to they're gonna fill out the team and fill out uh, the mistakes that you obviously have and the flaws that you have as a coach. Pep can't seem to figure out the defense since he's been there. Uh, since he's been there, he's spent over 400, or 400 million pounds, right? Stones, 47. Ben, Benjamin Mendy, who they thought was a god, 52. Kyle Walker, 45. Laporte, 57. Danilo, I forgot about Danilo, uh, 26. Angelino, gone, 11 million. Uh, Cancelo, 60 million, who just sits over here and collects dust. Uh, Nathan Ake, who I think is probably by far the best defender that they're going to have because of his youth. He's younger, and I think he ends up being the best defender because I think he's just so versatile. He moves around. And then Ruben Diaz, who I'm still trying to figure out what he does, uh, $62 So when you spend that much money, there's no excuse to give up five goals if you're supposed to be the best teams or one of the best teams in Europe. I don't get why they feel like Pep. Because with his time at City, I think we've seen more flaws than we have seen good. He's won the Premier League, but good for him. We've already done that. I don't think with this defense, you come even close to winning a Champions League. They look completely lost. Uh, Mendy gets around on the wrong side of the attack and pulls down the attacker because he thinks that he's going to get away from him. Kyle Walker, same thing. And I've never really liked Kyle Walker much. He's played well, but I, I just, I, for some reason, I just don't like his the, the way he carries himself. Uh, and he makes a mistake, same thing. Pulls down, Var- like from behind, pulls him down because he got out around him. I don't know why he's playing on the outside of him anyway. The ball was clearly going to go in one spot, and it was not where Kyle Walker was going to be. It's just so bad. They've had to play Fernandinho, who's 36, and a defensive mid because they need more defensive-minded players. And like I said, like we talked about against Lyon, because they don't have defenders, they freaking just put as many people as they can in that defensive mid in hopes that they stop it. Because when Rodri's there and Fernandinho's there and Ake's there and Eric Garcia's there, maybe we can stop them. And to be honest, Eric Garcia was probably our best defender and we're selling him to Barcelona. So I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. Pep clearly has no clue what's going on. He plays people that he trusts, and to trust Mindy, who hasn't been healthy for six years, uh, Kyle Walker, who seems to be on the edge of tumbling down backwards, uh, I really don't know what's going on. I have no idea. Maybe play three in the back and just score 26 goals because that's the only way we're going to win. I think it's funny you say that about Vardy, uh, where he looks like he's... he's uh... <laughs> You know, oh, an unassuming player because it, it's actually kind of his history. Uh, before 2012, he was playing non-league football in like the fifth tier or lower, um, uh, and uh, signed uh, Lester nabbed him up when they were in the championship uh, for a million dollars, which was a non-league record. And uh, even his first year at Leicester was not so great. He was drinking heavily and, and everything like that. And then eventually he turned it around, gave up drinking, and uh, went on to become, you know, a golden boot winner uh, twice and uh, a Premier League champion. So very, uh, very good story, uh, story James Vardy. 
uh, Jamie Vardy. Uh, any uh, thoughts on this shellacking Matt uh, for the team that is expected to challenge you, Liverpool, for a title? Yeah, I think uh, I think they just gave away another penalty. If I'm watching it correctly at this point, but uh, <laughs> not sure. Um, I mean, Logan, Logan said it perfectly. <laughs> Probably said it perfectly. Um, you know, the one thing I've noticed is that the players don't seem very interested. They just are kind of there. You know, they don't. There's no cohesion with the team. They just look like a bunch of guys that were picked up off the street and went like, okay, you're going to play this position, this position, this position, and uh, we're going to make it work, and you guys are expected to win the you know, Champions League, Premier League, FA Cup, Carabao Cup. Yeah, it's, it's a little concerning for uh, – definitely has to be concerning for all Manchester City fans because they just they, – they do. They just don't look like they, they have an idea as to what their game plan is going to be other than get the ball to De Bruyne and hope he finds a great pass and – He's got Sterling on the end of it or Foden on the end of it. And when they have Aguero and Jesus out, they just don't they just don't seem threatening to finish. I mean, Sterling doesn't isn't the best finisher in the league. And you you really can't just have it be De Bruyne against ten other guys plus the goalkeeper. And that's what it really felt like. You know, they started both their games out really, really well. You know, they started this game the Leicester very well. You know, Wolves, they were great the first half. And then something happened where they just let off the gas and the other team looks like they should be blowing them out of the water. If Wolves had a better ability to finish, City might have lost both games. And at that point, you're, it, it would be terrifying for Pep because then you don't know what the next step is really with him. And he's got to figure something out. And, you know, it could be Diaz. We will have to see what happens with him. I don't know much about the guy. But it, it, I was definitely looking at it. it. There's a lot, there's a lot of concerns I would have for that team, especially on the defensive end of it. It's, it's, they don't look to be the same threatening Manchester City that we've watched. I, I, you kind of almost expect them to be giving up a few goals, and it's like they have to win in a shootout instead of just domination at this point. Yeah, and I, I think I have to give a lot of credit here to Lester. Uh, I I almost seriously think that this is could be Lester is back. That Lester is uh, an actual title threat, like they were in 2016. Uh, call me crazy. Uh, they, they look very good at the start of this season. Uh, now, of course, that could just be start of the season, and that they'll fall back like they did last year, but. I think Leicester could be a top four team this year. They could be a top four team just going forward where they're constantly competing for a top four spot um, under Brendan Rodgers uh, that they just missed out on last season. Moving on to West Ham, who beat a team that got like uh, in the top seven last year with Wolverhampton. West Ham ran them off the park, 2 p.m., 4-0 uh, West Ham beat Wolverhampton, who looked very good week one, but the last two uh, games have, uh, you know, the, you, Logan and Matt, you guys saw Wolves versus City. You said that they looked good in the second half, not so good in the first half. But this game, 4-0, uh, Bowen scores 17 minutes in for West Ham, 57 minutes in for West Ham. Uh, Jimenez uh, own goal, 
66 minutes in for West Ham to make it 3-0. And 90 plus 3 Holler scores uh, for West Ham to make it 4-0. Um, just a blip on the the roadmap here for Wolves or something to be concerned about, Logan? Yeah, I think uh, with the quality of players that have exited Wolves and then... Uh, you know, not really filling in spots where they needed to fill. And I know Matt mentioned this last week. I think that they they do. They kind of have an issue where they don't they don't seem as threatening. And if Traore is not doing anything, then nobody's doing anything. Um, and that's kind of what they look like. They looked like they were just complacent. They looked like if they were going to mark Traore, then that was going to take them out of the attack. And they did. West Ham was really disruptive. Uh, so I think Wolves. You know, looking going forward, I, I think that they've got to find somewhere they can go to look for goals. Uh, and uh, right now, I, I couldn't tell you where that's going to come from because I just don't I don't see anybody that's really impressed me. I mean, Raul Jimenez is is a good player, but, you know, if Traore and he are marked, then they really got nowhere else to turn, it seems. And, you know, maybe Podence plays well, maybe you know, things start to, to fall together for them. And, and maybe it's just kind of a little bit of a blimp. Uh, I'd like to see a couple more games before I really um, say that they're in trouble. Uh, I think that with, with uh, what is it, Noto coaching, I think, you know, you've got a a coach that really knows how to handle the adversity and, and somebody that's going to be able to change it up. So, no, I'm not going to say that it's a huge concern for Wolves, but give it a couple more weeks. If things still are going uh, a different direction, then then I think you start to worry a little bit. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on Wolverhampton or West Ham? I think most of us had West Ham going down. They just uh, <laughs> they looked pretty good this game, 4-0. No, I, I, had, I had Palace going down. Yeah, well, that's still wrong. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> uh, are West Ham going to be safe then this year if they can put up these type of performances against European teams like Wolves? You know, if they can do this consistently, then you know we would definitely have to rethink where we placed them at the in the preseason. But I think the game just kind of shows you maybe what kind of season this is going to be. If if fans don't return for a little bit, and it's looking more likely that you know maybe next year we'll get some fans into those stadiums this could make the Premier League an incredibly tight race throughout the entirety of the table because it just it, fans are such a big deal and these teams are, these games are having teams that are clearly have the bigger names, the better players, better coaching, and they are just kind of, I wouldn't say they're being blown out, but you're watching teams who should be winning games either lose them and look incredibly inferior at times to the other team where they, you know, they end up drawing a game in which you would have thought they had no chance to even get a result. And I just think it kind of shows you what I, what the Premier League might, this could be a good preview for the Premier League this year. We could see a lot of weird results if things continue. And if there's no fans, I, you know, I, there, it could be, there could be a really big shock besides Fulham um, really. You know, but I don't think we can be shocked where they're at, and we'll get to them in a second. But I, I just think it shows you that this week, this year is going to be a pretty, pretty fun year to watch. This is a good year if you want to become a fan. I think this is a year you'll have a lot of fun watching this, uh, watching the Premier League. 
I hope so. I'm kind of hoping for a season like that 2016 season with uh, Leicester winning the league. Just I want some craziness. I want something totally insane like like Everton or Aston Villa winning the league. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into Monday's games. Uh, Aston Villa beat Fulham 3-0. This was a 1 p.m. game uh, or wow, 12.45 game, I guess. <laughs> Four minutes in, Grealish scores. Uh, for Villa, 15 minutes in, Hora uh, Hain scores for Villa. 48 minutes in, uh, Mings scores for Villa. There was a VAR check on Fulham. Uh, they scored a goal, but it was disallowed for a foul. Uh, nothing really shocking here. Fulham just do not look up to snuff to be a Premier League team. And that's one reason why I'm very sad Brentford did not get uh, win the promotion playoff. Uh because I feel like they would have put up a little bit more of a fight. What do you think, Matt? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I didn't get to, um, I didn't get to watch the game. Work was a little, little busy today, and I didn't get to watch highlights. I had some errands to run, but you know, just just kind of keeping up with the game on Twitter. It just every tweet about Fulham is just they they don't have it. They don't. They are they struggle defensively. They they struggle offensively. I mean, if if you were in an American sport, you would wonder if they were tanking at this point because they just don't look like they have the talent to, to stay <laughs> up here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I know, like, I know that it sounds bad because, like, obviously you don't want to see a team struggle the way they do, but, you know, in all fairness, Brentford, I just think, would have had a different there would have been an excitement. You would have had some players energized. Fulham just, they're just kind of there, you know. I And they haven't even faced, you know, they faced Arsenal, and Arsenal is definitely a good team. But now they've lost to Leeds, who, you know, they're mid-table, maybe a little lower end. Of, you know, of course, if it's crazy, they could end up higher than that. And then now to, to struggle against Villa, who I know they haven't, they've won their first two games, but they're not facing... They haven't faced City. They haven't faced Chelsea. They haven't faced Liverpool. They haven't faced uh, Man United. Like, the top four, they haven't even gotten close. They haven't faced Leicester. There are these teams that they haven't even had a chance to face yet, and they're already struggling. And they have to face those teams 10, more, 10 games out of their next 36. I mean, you got to figure out. I read somewhere with one analyst was like, they could really fight to – break the record for lowest points in a year, which was set by Derby. I didn't see what the amount of points was, but it was like 10 or 11. And they were like, this team has has possibly a chance to really have a fight on for that, that record. And that's, that's scary. I'll tell you one thing they do have going for them. They got one of the most handsome coaches on the sideline, <laughs> Scott Parker. Absolutely, uh, absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> Uh, over to you, Logan. Your thoughts on Villa and Fulham? Scott Parker uh, is so hot. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> okay, so I watched highlights, uh, and I, I tell you what, is man, that Ashley? Is it Ashley giving the analysis? If you're saying how hot Scott Parker is, I'll have to show her who Scott Parker is. She might be a Villa fan. I thought after, you said, uh, Fulham I thought fan. You mean? <laughs> I mean, Fulham. Sorry. Yeah. No. Didn't you see him? Or was it somebody else? Oh, yeah, no, 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 you're right. Yes, you, yes, you did. Yes, you did, because we watched the playoff, and then she saw him, yeah. Um, yeah, he's absolutely gorgeous, a handsome man. Um, 
kind of has a Chris Evans kind of like British look to him or Benedict Cumberbatch or something. Um, so my thoughts, uh, I would do anything. If Can we like straight up swap uh, Raheem Sterling for Grealish? I mean, I, I'm totally up for any kind of move that Aston Villa wants to make. Um, and Jordan makes fun of me for calling him Aston Villa. Um, Villa is uh, not that impressive, but the fact that they blow out Fulham, um, like Matt said, I think you're really starting to wonder if they'll get into the double digits with points because it's that bad. I, I don't, I don't even know what's going on. And I don't think Scott Parker knows. I think he's just kind of looking out there going, oh, man, it's going to be an interesting year when we go back down. Um, and unfortunately, they seem to be one of those teams that's like a gnat and just won't go away. So who knows? They might be back in 2022 or three. Uh, I, this just doesn't seem like a team that is going to be anywhere but 20th. Uh, Mitrovic, okay, he's he's okay in the championship, but can he really hack it up here? He didn't play very well. Uh, I think when you really do break it down, they're going to have a really tough time scoring goals against some of the worst defenses uh, that I've seen and to open a Premier League. I, I, you know, with a high scoring, uh, I think this is the most that uh, all teams have scored since like the 60s or something like that to start the season. There's no way Fulham keeps up. If this is the way that it's going to be because, you know, we're having to rest players and you're having these tight windows to rest players and people aren't fit and people are here and there. Uh, this isn't going to go well at all for that team. Well, let's move on um, to. Oh, go ahead. So sorry, I, I actually I, I looked up the lowest point total. It came from Derby County in the oh seven oh eight season. They ended up with eleven points. They had the longest run of games without a win at thirty two. They had since the introduction of a three point for a win. They had the lowest with eleven. They had the record for fewest wins, which was one. And they are the only team that's been relegated from the Premier League in March. Their only win came in September against Newcastle United, with whom they also drew later in the season, meaning 36% of their points came against Newcastle. So that means that they had eight draws and one win for the 11 <laughs> points. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, Fulham could definitely do that, I, I guess. Uh, um, let's move on to, uh, Liverpool and Arsenal, and let me just toot my own horn here. I got the scoreline absolutely correct. Three to one. Uh, Logan, you said four to one. Matt said four nothing. I said three one, and I actually said Lacazette, Mane, Robertson, and Jota. I'm just kidding. I did not say any of that. Uh, this was the 3.15 game, or three o'clock game, I guess. Sorry, I think I messed that up. Three o'clock game. Uh, uh, today, uh, the 28th, and uh, Lacazette scored 25 minutes in off a very bad defensive giveaway. Uh, then we have 28 minutes in, Sadio Mane scores for Liverpool to make it 1-1. Then Robertson scores 34 minutes in to make it 2-1. And then Jota scores 88 minutes in to score on his debut uh, as well here. Um Matt, pretty much just a perfect day at the office for Liverpool, minus the uh, goal there, <laughs> the Lacazette goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, when it started and they gave up that goal, I was like, this is every freaking Arsenal-Liverpool game in the last this entire year where Arsenal sits back and one little mistake and Liverpool all of a sudden they're down. 
Um, but I think Liverpool showed how much quality they have in their team. They don't, you know, Thiago's out, Henderson's out, Matip's out, uh, Oxley Chamberlain is out, and they still they controlled the game. It it really at no point. I think the first real legitimate shot was Lacazette in the second half that Allison stopped, um, which was a great save. And it, I think him being healthy for the game was a big, big factor in, in how well Liverpool played. But they just looked so dangerous. And to add Thiago, who sounds like he's actually out till after the international break, which means he's missing the Carabao Cup game on Thursday against Arsenal. Um, and then Villa on the weekend before the international break, which not too too crazy of a deal. They they just look like they have something to to combat any defensive style. And having Jota off the bench, he he looked great. He honestly, if he finished better, he would have had a hat trick off the bench. That's he had multiple chances. He looked great going forward. And if you can bring that off of the bench and replace Amane or Salah, you know it's just you wonder how they're the after watching all these games it sometimes looks like and I'm not just trying to say it as a fan, but they look like they're on a different level than all these teams. And you know, at the beginning of the year I wasn't sure they could really sustain that again for another season, but so far they look like they are up to the challenge. Um and I thought it was really funny I saw Jordan that you ended up liking this tweet, but the on the Twitter there was a guy that said, How has their fullback assisted their other fullback? And it's just like you watch them have these games, and everyone on Liverpool can pass. Van Dyke can pass up to Salah and Mane. Gomez is making those passes. They constantly switch both sides between Trent and Robertson. They could honestly, like, if nobody is even close to either of those guys, they could probably ping it back and forth to each other the entire way down the field and not even make it look like it's difficult. It's 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 really been impressive, and obviously I hope they continue playing this way, but they look like they're going to be really difficult to beat. And even in Europe, I think it's going to be really tough unless, unless they get hit with some really bad injuries, it's going to be a tough, tough year to beat Liverpool. Let's get into our top four that currently, uh, currently sitting here. Uh, everybody would think it's Liverpool, but it's not. It's actually Leicester city. They're in first nine points with the eight goal differential. Liverpool's in second with nine points and a five goal differential. Everton is actually in third place with nine points and a five-goal differential. And Aston Villa, who've only played two games, are in fourth place with six points and a four-goal differential. Uh, this is what I'm talking about when we're talking about Chelsea and I, what Logan's talking about with Manchester City. But it, for Chelsea specifically, they've played three games, and Aston Villa, who have only played two, are in the top four, and Chelsea is nowhere near that. Um at least with City, they've only played two as well. Current relegation zone right now, Fulham in 20th place. They're at the bottom, zero points, minus seven goal differential. As we were talking about, their defense is not great. Sheffield United, 19th place, zero points, minus four goal differential. We touched on them a little bit too after their great season last year. Burnley, who they've only played two games, so they can climb out of this no problem. Everybody can, really, except for maybe Fulham. Uh, 18th place, zero points, minus three, goal differential. Our current golden boot is Calvert-Lewin with five goals and Jamie Vardy with five goals, just as we drew it up. Um, upcoming matches here. 
Saturday, October 3rd. Uh, now, here's the thing. I've put on my list here what channel each of these is on. If I could locate what channel each of these is on. There was one game, I think, that I could not locate. Um, Chelsea versus Crystal Palace, 7.30 a.m. on Peacock. Let's get into some predictions here. I, I picked this one as the game uh, for Saturday for us to predict here because I'm interested in what everybody thinks because I feel like this could be a, a trap game for Crystal Palace here. And uh, with how they've been playing this season, I would not be shocked if Chelsea loses to Crystal Palace. But, uh, Logan, what's your thoughts on Chelsea versus Crystal Palace and scoreline? Crystal Palace loses because I picked them for no. Uh, Crystal Palace, I think, wins this game. Uh, Zaha looks really good. Easy when he was playing, they looked a lot better cohesively um, than they had in the past when he was coming off the bench as a sub. I think Crystal Palace, uh, I, I think you're right, Jordan. I think right now, Chelsea doesn't have it quite figured out. I think when you look at it, Crystal Palace has the advantage and goes into this game. Uh, and I think that they play well. I think that they climb back up after their after their rough go. And I think that they beat Chelsea, I want to say 2-1, Crystal Palace. Matt, you're the one that's usually telling me how great Chelsea is and that they're, you know, one of the best teams in the league. But uh, do you have them winning this match? Um, I actually, I have this as a draw. Um, I think Logan's, Logan's right that right now is probably the best time to be playing this Chelsea team. And Powers do look like they they have a, a pretty good shot at having a pretty good year here. Um, again, Chelsea have the, such bigger names and you have to real think it's gonna it's gonna really click with them sooner rather than later. Um, but you know, Palace looks solid at the back. They have a decent attack. I could see this ending. I, I see this one ending two two. I, I think it'll be a pretty exciting game, also to kick off the weekend. All right, I think I'm gonna go here with uh, Crystal Palace winning as well. Uh, I'm gonna say three to two. Uh, just for the defensive struggles to continue, I guess, for Chelsea. Uh, maybe if I predict this, uh, Chelsea will win, and I'll feel a lot better about it. Uh, moving on, Everton versus Brighton. That's 10 a.m. That is NBCSN from what I could see. Um, Leeds versus Manchester City. That's at 12.30 p.m. on Big NBC, the regular over-the-air NBC and then Newcastle versus Burnley, that's at 3 p.m. on Saturday. I couldn't find what channel that one's on. Um, Sunday, October 4th, we have Leicester versus West Ham. That's at 7 a.m. on Peacock. Also at 7 a.m. on Peacock is Southampton versus West Brom. 9 o'clock on Sunday, it's Arsenal versus Sheffield on Peacock. Also on ni at 9 o'clock on Peacock is Wolves versus Fulham. Then we have a big match on NBCSN from what I could see. Manchester United versus Tottenham, 11.30 a.m. on Sunday, October 4th. Let's predict this match. Logan, your thoughts on Manchester United, who's had a kind of rough start, and Tottenham, who have had a kind of a okay rough start. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, both teams seem to be down and out uh, right now. I, but... Uh, you know, United's only played two, and they actually looked better. I mean, that's not saying a lot because they were really bad first week, but they were not so great either 
uh, last week. I, but I still think uh, Tottenham, especially um, if Sun can't play, uh, that's going to be a huge blow. Gareth Bale not going to be fit uh, until at least the, after the international break. I'm going to say United win this one. And I'm going to say United get off the snide here. And I, I'm going to say they break out. Uh, I'm going to go with 4-1 Man United. Oh, Jose would not be happy with wanna, that one against his former team. Yeah. Uh, Matt, Tottenham versus United. Um, oof. You know, I, I think Tottenham actually end up winning this game. I really, I like what Jose, I, I, I think they've started off stronger than what they their results have shown with the draw and the loss. Um, and I Manchester United looked bad. They looked bad against Brighton. And they barely got that win. And even then, I'm not sure how deserving it was. And against Palace, they looked awful as well. And Tottenham is a better team, in my opinion, than both of those. So I have to. I'm thinking here that Tottenham end up winning it three 0 I don't think there's any goals from United. I think Kane gets two, and uh, they kind of just run away with it. I think Jose uh, Jose likes to play against. I think his former team. I think he'll be up for this one and, and get them a win. All right, I have a draw two to two, and I'm going to say Manchester United get a penalty somewhere in that game. No. Uh, the last game of the week. There's no games on Monday, uh, the fifth. Uh, it's just Saturday and Sunday this week. Uh, the last game is Aston Villa versus Liverpool, a battle of the top four. Uh, that's at two fifteen on Sunday on NBC Sports Network. Um, no predictions of that one. I'm trying to keep it to one a day for each of these. Just uh, one random game a day to make it a little so our show is not three hours long. Um, but uh, how do you feel going into that one, Matt? Uh, no predictions, but just how do you feel going into Aston Villa? You know, they're a top four team right now. You know, they're banging in goals today. How do you feel? I feel pretty good. I mean... Obviously, every game is every game's a challenge, but Liverpool have a team that, that they should be able to handle this game pretty pretty easily in my book. Uh, but you know, we'll see, and hopefully, hopefully they can continue their strong run. But you know, never count anyone out in these in these games. All right, and Logan, let's ask you. Uh, you're facing Leeds, Manchester City's facing Leeds. How do you feel going into the week here as we get to Saturday? I feel like I'm in a really, really bad roller coaster that just keeps going and going and going. That's why it makes me sick. And it really does. I mean, I feel I'm really scared because uh, if we can't finish goals, Leeds can score them. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that more disappointments on the way, but I say that, you know, uh, I do say that the defense improves because I think that it can't get any worse. <laughs> That's my thought. <laughs> yeah, the good thing is Leeds defense means that you That's have true. a good chance of That's probably true. putting some of those goals away. Um, but yeah, that about wraps us up here. Uh, we did have some... Um, League Cup matches. We do have some this week as well. Uh, I know Chelsea is facing Spurs in the Cup. Uh, I'm not feeling good about that one. 
either. But uh, we'll hopefully be able to break some of those matches down as they get uh, as we get a little bit more into our rhythm here, or maybe do a separate recording at some point for some of those matches. Um, just because pretty much with the way this is structured, every week we end up around an hour and a half. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that about wraps us up. So everybody, let us know what your thoughts were on VAR, if you want to give us a little bit of your thoughts on that. And uh, is Chelsea in a heap of trouble, or will they bounce out of this? Give us your thoughts. Manchester City lost to Leicester 5-2. to two. Uh, Give us your thoughts on how great of a result that was. <laughs> for Leicester and uh, for City, maybe that'll maybe that'll spur City on. There you go. But uh, the bad thing is, I feel like that just puts the title in Liverpool hands very early, um, unless if you know Leicester and Villa and Everton can keep up. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to update us on any of your thoughts on the games you can reach us on twitter at stoppage show facebook.com slash stoppage time soccer show email us stoppage time show at gmail.com or hit us up on instagram at stoppage time soccer show you know logan's very on top of it he's always posting the pictures of the results and predictions and stuff so make sure you're following us on all of those um you'll get plenty of live updates if you follow us on twitter as well thank you for listening to our show i am jordan wiegand you just heard from logan stump and matt hartgrove and have a great rest of your week and we'll catch you all next time kane has stolen it at the death that's what he's there for thank you for listening to stoppage time soccer show We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.